Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where we bring the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams, Los Angeles. As always, I'm your host, Daniel Tuttle, and with me is my Batman, Michael Lutheran. <laughs> Hello, Daniel. Oh, I love it when you talk to me with your gravelly cancer voice. Where is she? <laughs> Tell me who she is. I don't, is that, Rachel? Are you speaking bat? I don't, I don't, know, what the, I don't know what language that is. I know who you are, Bruce. Why are you still talking like that? You're not even in costume. <laughs> Welcome. I uh, hope you had a wonderful 4th of July. Ah, thank you. Thank you. You too, Daniel. And also to everyone else, both in the United States and all over the world. Let us know what you did. We'd love to hear stories or anything funny that may have happened. Uh, email us at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, we, I successfully have made it back to Los Angeles after uh, Brendan's wedding and our Batman versus Superman duel and, <laughs> you know, driving from Northern California to Southern California is a trek enough itself. So Now, we did switch it up this time. Usually the Team Hustle episodes like this, we would do the themed episode first and then the game episode second as an act two. But being it was a holiday, we thought we'd just do a more fun episode for the holiday uh, release on the 4th, um, leaving the more thematic episode for when everybody's kind of back in their regular old dreary uh sad <laughs> well, ge- days ge- just, up, or happy days or ge- gearing up for the hustle again right like and just, gary i'm coming after you by the way yeah we, we we saw how many points you got yeah we get it gary we get it <laughs> <laughs> gary is now our enemy exactly but ge- gary is our ultra human or humanite <laughs> yeah the ultra humanite yeah. exactly um but yeah, so in this episode, though, it, we're going to kind of explore a bit more of our backstories and kind of share with you how we got to L.A. But before then, it's going to be quite interesting. We'll get to how we're going to do that later. Yeah. But like, what's what's going on, Michael? Let's talk about what's going on with us. Yeah. Um, man, things have been going on. <laughs> a lot of things have been going on. <laughs> That's great. So on to me. <laughs> no, um, just trying to keep active, not only, uh, you know, with my acting career, with uh, going to auditions, um, I was able to get a audition for a short film a couple weeks ago, which uh, went really well. Awesome, awesome. Um, and keeping up with my practice, but also with the podcast, we have some guests coming up. Uh, you know, in the next couple weeks, uh, one of the immediate ones being Eric Knight. Uh, he's got. You're going to be hearing his interview here very soon. He is the lead singer of the rock band uh, Disciples of Babylon. He also has released his own um, just individual albums. He's also a talent manager of Persistent uh, Management. It's very busy. Very, very busy. We're so excited to just share that interview with you. But I was actually invited to the private party of his album release party for the Rise and Fall of Babylon. That's their first debut album. And so we were that happened out in Van Nuys uh, at the studio that they recorded at. And I mean... All the names that you can think of had recorded at the studio, so it was so special to to be there and to listen to this band's music for the first time. And it was my first time ever having this kind of experience where you're there with the musicians and everyone kind of just takes a seat in uh, the studio and they just play the album. Mm-hmm. And in between each song, they were kind of able to share the backstory of where that song came from. That's awesome. The inspiration for it. So really, really excited for you guys to hear Eric Knight. And then I was also able to see uh, my, my friend Josh Otter, who's going to be a future guest 
of the podcast. He's an upcoming filmmaker. I've collaborated with him a lot on his projects uh, while he was going to UCLA, but now he's out on his own, and he actually got entered into the uh, Dances with Films Festival uh, that happens here in L.A., and his film Land of Happy Dreams was screened there, and I got to go there and meet with the cast, and it was just an amazing experience of like seeing a fr- someone that you've worked with mm-hmm. along go from the one minute short film, you know, for a class project type of thing to all of a sudden now I'm in the Chinese Grauman theater <laughs> watching this film take place. Right. And it's beautifully shot and it, it, and it speaks to him. Like I watched that movie and I can see him. You saw him in it. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of him nice. in that film. So very excited to get him on the podcast and to kind of open up about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, Got to be best man recently. So that... Congratulations, Brendan Baruch. <laughs> Hashtag Brendan Ward. Hashtag not Brendan Baruch. <laughs> Hashtag so many Brendans. So many Brendans. Um, but yeah, just trying to keep up the hustle, as it were. Um, how about you, Daniel? Uh, what's going on with man, your journey? I've been so busy with so many things called a podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it's, you know, it's, it's been, I, I recently got a new book called uh, the, the Anatomy of Story by John Truby. Um, that was suggested through a, a YouTube video that both Michael and I enjoy called, uh, uh, or YouTube creator, content creator, uh, called Lessons from a Screenplay. Um, he uses that book a lot for his, uh, a lot of um, analysis. <clears throat> analysis and research. Uh, and I've, I've read uh, a few uh, pages of it so far. And it's, you it got that so for Father's Day, I got Day, it for right? Father's Day. It's so Happy Father's Day. Uh, thank you belated. so much. Um, still working on potty training myself um, and the kid. Uh, I'm doing okay. The kid's doing okay as well. Um, no, it's doing that. Uh, working on uh, really recently, I've had some good breakthroughs with this, the pilot I'm, I've mentioned before. Um, coming up with some ideas for um, not only the pilot itself, but for the series itself. Uh, so, so, are you very much it's still in the outline? Oh, this is it's still super or? planning. It's it's how does this make a show? That's really what is the show, and mm-hmm. that's really what I'm working on right now. Um, I recently, I think, came up with the end of the season. Um, like the final shot of the season, which is a lot of times what happens with me is I think of the first shot and the last shot of the season, um, which helps me kind of get an idea of where the show needs to go. Um, but it could change, and if it does, it's great, but it gives me a starting point. Yeah, um, something I've, to work backwards from. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's helped me also think of like, okay, what characters do I need, uh, which that I've had some breakthroughs with that as well. Have you gone out and uh... – because I know you don't want to share too much yeah. until things are, are more developed absolutely. and everything, but – as a writer, do you reach out to uh, people who are similar to the protagonist or characters that you're looking to write um, about? Like, if I, if I were writing a uh, a series about a gardener, right? Like, would would you go out and speak with gardeners? I w- well, or? I would because I don't know a lot about gardening. Yeah, um, but I usually go by the more like write what you know mm-hmm. um, until I have the time to research stuff I don't know. And so part of this, I know a lot of that world just from things I've grown up with and uh, things I've watched. And I watch a lot of reality shows based on the main concept of this. So I do have a good idea of what it takes and where it comes from. And it's very similar to other stuff I watch. So I ha- And I listen to a ton of interviews from people in those worlds. So I know this is super vague, uh, <laughs> but that helps me understand what it takes, uh, what, you know, that, that life well, um, this is just exciting because listeners are getting a chance to hear like 
an immediate like step-by-step experience as it's happening as it's happening (laughs) uh, coming from a screenwriter here in los angeles of how do you go through the process of creating and writing a series once i get the pilot copyrighted or copywritten and uh, i get it you know with the wga and everything then i'll share more (laughs) of it um but no i you know it's 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 i like to write what i know and i also like to write a lot of family character-based drama and that's really what this is um, and it's about connections and, um, you know, uh, how, what are, what are different ways people can, as bluntly as I can put it, fix themselves. And that this deals with a lot. And then also how people see, do can people ever see them as someone different than the person they've seen them before? Mm-hmm. Um, it does a lot with that, with that. Um, and, and, and like I said, family dealing with, um, uh what you would think of them as like ex- expectations versus not, not as much expectations, but what you've known them as. Oh, okay. so like if you had, you know, a brother who, or a brother or sister who, um, got in fights and was always very angry. Um, but then all of a sudden years later they come back and they've meditated and they're, they do yoga, but you can only see them as the angry brother that beat you. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like they, you can't get past that. Like that, you can't see them as the new person that they are. That they've changed, um, and so that's kind of some of the issues that still is people having to accept this person's change in their life, but not buying it or not believing it's going to stay or stick. That's exciting. Um, so I think yeah, it's really it's some cool stuff. I'm really excited to really get more into the meat of it after I really figure out what it is. Um, that's part of the you know part of the struggle is yeah. like, what is it what well, is when people read it what do I want them to get from it so much of what scares me from writing and that I feel like has kept me from writing in a while and it's something I'm, I want to overcome uh, this year is just that blank page like do do you I know some people like there's Quentin Tarantino right who he literally by hand writes his scripts. Mm. Do you go to the screen? Like, do you go type it out first, or do you just mold it up in your head, or do you get post-it notes and post it up on a wall? Mine is really, my, as I think you've seen with other stuff we've worked on, mine is very sporadic. Um, I could be driving down the road and I'll have an idea for a scene, and when I stop, I'll type up the scene on like an like you know iPhone Notepad or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, we were working on something together, and I had an idea because I was listening to a certain song for a new opening for something we were working on, and I typed up the whole scene on my iPhone and, and texted it to you in parts. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really just where it sticks me. Most of my stuff, kind of like Quentin Tarantino, is based on music. Um, music really helps me realize the tempo or certain things that that or see the scene in my head and so I, then i can start believing what it is um and that's kind of like the 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 finale of the season that i have in my head came about i was running uh i was on a run and a song came came on and it really just hit me like that's the final scene yeah like that song is the final scene mm. um and that's the rhythm and what i want for the final scene um, and so it's, it's really sporadic. It's, you know, if I sit down and work and, and, you know, if I'm writing the script, it's definitely sit down, work on the script. But when it's creating the scenes, then it's definitely sporadic and mm-hmm. it can happen anywhere at any time. That's no, but that's awesome though, because there is obviously not one specific way, right? Oh, to, absolutely. To go about it. And I know for me, you, you talk about music and using that as an inspiration. Um, when I was writing back in college i would write scenes Mm -hmm. to music just as a nice way to just 
break break into it. You have this idea and you just start listening to music and let whatever emotion mm-hmm. like take let that take you along yeah. the ride. And when the scene or when the music when the song ends, you move on to the next scene. Right. So all all these scenes are going to be incomplete, but it creates like a momentum to just keep going right. and finding what happens next. Well, I think part of it, like I grew up, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned it, I think on something else we've done before that I, I, I there theater wasn't an option for me until high school. And so I did choir and orchestra for quite a while. So music has been a huge, you know, rhythm and, and, mm-hmm. and, and tempo has been a huge part of my life. And so for me, like having a song play while I'm writing helps me keep the tempo of that scene. And so I usually pick stuff that has the feeling and the motion and the speed that I want that scene to go. If it's a huge, angry, passionate scene, then I'm probably listening to something that's a lot faster, a lot more punkish, um, just to help me understand how fast the dialogue needs to go. Could you see where the trappings of sometimes always writing but from music could be? I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it could definitely stick you into a certain place where everything sounds the same. Um, but I think that depends if you're listening to the same kind of music. Mm-hmm. I, my, you know, if I, if, if you're always writing to Taylor Swift, then yeah, it's going to always going to have the same hey, beat, hey, yeah, yeah, same beat, same rhythm to it. Cause most of her songs have the same quality to them. But if you write one song to queen and, or one scene to a queen song and then one scene to a Jay-Z song, there's going to be some similarities, but it's still going to be different in a lot of ways because the feeling, the tempo, the meaning mm-hmm. is going to be completely different. Have you ever done the uh, month, I think it's called like NaNoWriMo? Uh, it's, I believe it takes place in November. It's like the national where everyone's writing a book or writing a script or oh, something like that. I've, I've heard of a lot of people who, uh, you know, maybe... At, in the notes of this episode, I can include a link Absolutely. to it. But essentially the idea is that everyone gathers around this idea of like this month, you're going to finish a writing project, whether it's a book, a screenplay, anything. And every day you're adding a specific word count or page numbers. Hmm. And the idea isn't by the end of the month, you have a finished product, right? You're going to have that first rough tumbly draft but it'll be a draft right absolutely there's you know there's i, I really love her there's a, a tv writer who was on buffy and a lot of sci-fi stuff jane epson who does or she used to i don't know if she still does but on twitter she would announce like a two-hour writing sprint and it's when she was going to sit down and write and she would try to encourage other people to write during that time and when she finished she'd go hey how did everybody do what did you come up with Oh, that's and awesome. And so she kind of have like try to get a group writing sprint together over like a two hour or one hour period, however much time she had. Yeah. It was really always interesting. And I, I did I did do that with her a few times. And it was just like forcing yourself to sit down and put something on page. You know, um, somebody posted something a while back on Twitter and I responded was like, you know, it's not something until you put it down on paper. And same with like a podcast. Mm-hmm. I, uh, this was nothing until we started a Kickstarter. Until you hit record yeah, yeah. and upload. Yeah, and it's, it's nothing until you put it down yeah. and you do it. So that that's the biggest thing is like if you don't stop talking about it and just do it. Yeah, and to clarify, NaNoWriMo, it's the National Novel Writing Month. Ah. So uh, NaNoWriMo.org um, is that specific thing. Like if you like, if you want to write a book, that's a great way to get into tune 
with that and to challenge yourself. But there are very similar script writing right. challenges Absolutely. out there. Nice. Uh, well, I think this is a good time as any if we're telling stories. Yeah. Talking about telling stories. Uh, both Michael and I have come from different places to L.A. Michael came from Vacaville. California. Vacavillains. Vacavillains. Um, I came from Dallas. And we thought it would be great to share our stories. Um, something I find very funny that we've been working on this podcast a lot, speaking of our lives also, and it's really been spreading thin of doing marketing and uploading and websites and all this stuff. And so we've been exhausted. Plus our personal lives outside of the podcast, <laughs> our full-time jobs and our families and girlfriends and everything. And so it's funny, Michael two times has forgotten what this theme of this episode was going to be, and he's the one that suggested it. So yeah. if that gives you any clue about how busy and how tired we are, uh, we love it. Don't get me wrong. It has been a pleasure, and I'm so happy to be tired because of this. Yeah, well, and also everyone's, uh, you know, whether it's your tweet messages, commenting on our photos, or leaving us a review on iTunes. Or suggesting guests. Or suggesting guests. It means the world to us. And that is why Daniel and I are doing this. The Because anyone could just record a conversation and upload it, not care about who listens to it. But for us, it's, you know, when we hear your thoughts about the interviews with our guests and everything, that is really what really helps us know that we're going in the right direction. And so once I remembered why I wanted to do this, <laughs> um, I think so many people... Think about, okay, I want to pursue uh, my art, whatever that is. Yeah. Los Angeles. What's the process of moving there? Yeah. What's it like? What's it like? And so today's uh, you know, quiz, which Daniel's about to kind of talk a bit more about. Yeah. It's not a quiz so it's much. A loose, loose term. Pretty much what we're doing, because, I mean, me talking for 20 minutes about my journey here and Michael talking about 20, that, that, I just don't think that would be interesting. That would get boring after a while, I think, because what you want, you need to hear the back and forth. And so what we're going to do is we've basically taken the subsections of questions we ask guests when we talk about moving here. We've put them each on a piece of paper each, uh, along with some other topics that go along with moving and things mm -hmm. like that um and we folded them up and we've put them in containers uh michael has one i have, I have a frying one. pan michael has a frying pan i have a plastic container um all the things are frozen are f frozen all of the paper pieces of paper are folded and we don't know so you're gonna hear our stories but in a very um uh memento uh a pulp fiction ish type way mm -hmm. um where you're just gonna hear topics based on that uh so that'll make it a little more interesting we're gonna go back and forth plus there's some what i'm calling whammy questions whammy um questions that are a little embarrassing uh just to throw in some fun that they may pick oh of course and there are some time limits on each question uh because we don't want to be here for four hours talking and we also don't have to speak for the full <laughs> yeah you don't have to speak for limit. the full time limit um if you go over there's not really a punishment but we're just trying to stick it to a certain amount of time. So, Michael, I would think rock, paper, scissors one more time. Okay, definitely. <clears throat> rock, paper, scissors on a podcast. Rock, rock paper, scissors, scissors go. go. I went too late, sorry. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, go. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, go. Rock, paper, scissors, go. Ha-ha, I paper. win. What did you have? I had rock. I had paper. There we go. So I win. Uh, I thought people could see us. Do we not have cameras? No. So if you can hear me, I am picking first. And this is to ask 
Me? No, no, th- or this no, is, this is for me. For, okay. for my, yeah, we're not asking quite each other questions. That was last time. All right, the first category that I am talking about in the move from Dallas to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. What spurred the move to Los Angeles? I have seven minutes on the clock, which I am putting on right now. And here we go. Um, the biggest thing for me was I really wanted to do more in film and television and Dallas and Texas as a whole for the most part there's a very much a glass ceiling for film and television um, a lot of shows start filming there and then leave pretty quickly because the tax, tax incentives really stink in Texas um, and so you really only get to do like people's independent projects and festival films which is fine and that's great that that's awesome but I wanted to do more and I wanted to write and, and I wanted to collaborate. And Texas is just not a collaborative city. Um, everything is truly far away. So you, if I wanted to collaborate with somebody in like McKinney, I would have to drive almost an hour to see them. Whereas here I have to drive an hour for 10 minutes for <laughs> like a mile to see someone. But everybody's closer here so we can meet somewhere in the middle. And, you know, I think that was one of the biggest things this is I wanted to be a screenwriter. I wanted to collaborate more with people. And I wanted to be in a more creative area that wasn't so about commercial or products or business. It was really about creativity and about the dream and well, the journey. There is a commercial side to Los Angeles, of course. Absolutely. And, and there's definitely that. And you can get commercial jobs here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a commercial hub as, as in the sense of like businesses like of bi- tons of businesses are not headquartered mm-hmm. in Los Angeles most of them are in Dallas or these other smaller bigger smaller but cities. being a writer though they <clears throat> pardon me yeah. the movie industry the television uh, for because you want you you want to write for some type of media right and that business is based here in Los Angeles well the the biggest thing I'd say that really sp- the move was my my girlfriend at the time wife now um, we went to comic-con and we had been together for about six months when I called her and said hey do you want to go to comic-con with me next year and so a year later we went to comic-con and two luckily uh, you guys were still together yes absolutely and two of our favorite uh, comedian uh, Thomas Lennon from Reno 911 and um, uh, tons of other movies uh, 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 whatever tons of other movies look them up um, he was recently Odd Couple, the new Odd Couple. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a book with his writing partner, Robert Ben Grant, who was also on Reno 911, uh, who played Junior. And they wrote a book that was about the business of screenwriting. And that was something that was not around. And that was something I had been looking for. It's like I was from Dallas. I'd never been in the business side of Los Angeles. I've been to the beach, I've been to Disneyland, but I'd never been in Los Angeles trying to be a screenwriter. And so every book is about how to write a screenplay, but there's very few books that were about the business of screenwriting. And so I was so interested in that book when I found out at Comic-Con they were selling it and signing the books. So we got in line, we went to a panel they had, bought the book, they signed it, they were so awesome. We have pictures with them. Like, they were super kind. Hmm. And um, my wife, now wife, girlfriend at the time, um, ended up reading the book first which is weird because she has no connection or want to be in this industry. Good job, Angie. Right? Um, but she loves them. She knows they're funny. And it's a, actually a pretty funny book with a lot of information. Um, it's called Writing for Fun and Profit, where fun is crossed out in the title. <laughs> or make, writing movies for fun and profit. And 
one of the things they really push in that film thing is if you want to make a career, and by career mean making money, writing for film and television, you have to be in Los Angeles. That is a theme over and over again that they talk about in that book. And my wife read about five chapters. The chapters aren't long. They're not hard to read. They're very simple to read, but they're really so much information. Um, she closed the book, and she looked at me and said, we're moving to Los Angeles. She was the one. She's the one that pushed it. She knew I wanted to, that that was something I wouldn't mind doing. But she is the one that really said, like, we need to do it. If you want to do this, I'm cool with it. And we were about to get married when we moved, so it was a nice new start. I love the beach, so I was ha- so happy to be by the and beach. And to clarify, you guys didn't get married in L.A. No, uh, no, we got married in, <clears throat> in Texas. Uh, we, flew after, we moved here before we got married, and then we flew back afterward to get married. Because, uh, so, you know, that's where most of our friends are in mm-hmm. Dallas. Um, but, yeah, she was the one that was like, let's move to Los Angeles. And that's because that's where you have to be to pursue this career. And... Um, I've never. What were the? You know, it was so awesome because I don't think I would have done it by myself. I was gonna say, what were the what were the questions or what were the worries or doubts that you had that had prevented you from? It was pursuing? just moving here by myself. I didn't know anybody. Leaving home and all the people I knew, you know, being half a, half a country away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was the biggest thing is just going to the jungle by yourself. And and so it's one of those things where it's just, it's just so much easier when you have someone to go with. Uh, just makes you feel a little more comfortable going because at least you know one person. <laughs> kind of what Kim Tillman had said in her interview series mm-hmm. of coming here with a team. Absolutely, is a lot easier than coming down by yourself. Oh, absolutely, and and because everybody else already has a team. Yeah, you know, and luckily some friends of mine had moved here before, so I, that helped me feel even more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I continually talked to them about LA, and they'd given me advice and thoughts about what LA was like. So that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, yeah, we, we just, we were like, yeah, let's do it. And we picked it, we planned it out and went from there, which we'll talk about later. So yeah. that's kind of what spurred it. All right. All right. Well, Michael, Michael is choosing his in the fragments. So hot, hot, hot. <laughs> yes. It's what spurred the move. <laughs> this so, is why we're best friends. Exactly. Uh, we, we choose the same questions, mm-hmm. right? Um, so... Seven minutes on the clock. Exactly. Go. So, ever since I was a kid, I always loved acting. I was always a kid to watch a movie and then immediately reenact it afterwards. And there were certain performers like Rowan Atkinson or Robin Williams that really caught my attention and that I was really captivated by. And... You know, I tried growing up doing baseball. I tried doing sports. I tried doing Boy Scouts. And I think my parents just recognized that that was never a thing. Or it, I didn't get connected to it as right. much. And so once I found theater and once I started pursuing that, I just knew that Los Angeles was always going to be a destination that well, I would move to. It's so interesting. Sorry, I'm so, I know you yeah. just started, but it's so interesting to kind of hear your story because you're so close. I mean, you're, it's still a few hours away, but you're a lot closer to Los Angeles than I am. Yeah. Or uh, I was. Vacaville is close to Sacramento, so it's roughly a six, six and a half hour drive, so per it, se. So it's still like Los Angeles is right there. Right there. I mean, yes. It's a six hour drive, but six hours better than a 22 hour drive from Dallas. Sure. I mean, growing up in a military household, it was never sure if we were going to stay in Vacaville. Though at that point, my dad was close to retiring from the Air Force. But um, for me, just I I love doing theater. Theater is, I think, always going to be 
uh, my foundation and what I'll always go back to. But I always knew that I didn't want to be the person later on in life to say I didn't try. Or what if. Or what if Mm -hmm. I had gone down. And so... That was me as well. um, I went to UC Davis. That's where I got my degree in acting. And while I was there, a lot of my friends were actually originally from Southern California. Hmm. Um, A future guest, actually, on uh, on the podcast, Jazz Trice, uh, he was one. And we we worked in the same uh, theater troupe together, a student theater company that we all ran. And I was on the board of producers. And I was almost done with my second year of college, and I realized that if I worked and took on some additional classes during my final year, I could actually graduate in three years. Oh, wow. Nice. So, and I found out that Jazz and quite a few of my other friends were going to be graduating at the same time. And so it was this moment where I buckled down and just said, yeah, I could stay and get a double major, or I could go out and do what I love. And so that third year was just a wash of just stacking on units and working my butt off to make sure that I could graduate in time, um, but also have certain opportunities set up for me so that once I graduated, I didn't have anything to do. Um, I didn't move down to LA right away. I graduated June of 2011. And at that point, I was able to transition into a career staff job at the university. Now, was, yeah. was there a moment, like like for me, like Angie saying, you know, let, we're, let's, we need to move to Los Angeles. Was there, do you know, like a moment that was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I got to do? Yeah, well, I think it was just the conversations I was having with Jazz mm-hmm. and um, my other friend Ulysses and Heidi. We were all talking about what we wanted to do. It sounds like a very interesting group of people. Ulysses, Heidi, Jazz. <laughs> we're, we're our own friends group here. <laughs> Pinocchio was there. <laughs> exactly. No, but it was just gathering around my, my friends, my college family, and just talking about, hey, guys, what are you planning on doing? Because that period of when college is about to end mm-hmm. is a very scary time. Oh, absolutely. Because it's that final veil of like, you're still not in the real world. Mm-hmm. And a, you're still on the line. You're still on the line. Like things are okay. Mm-hmm. You're you're just at class. That's those are the day-to-day things that you have to worry about. Of mm-hmm. course there's rent and stuff like that, but it's that precipice of what are you now going to do? Yeah. And so I reached out to my friends and just listened to them. What were they planning on doing? And a lot of them were it was either LA or New York. Mm-hmm. Quite a few of my friends went off to New York and they went into the Columbia University and got their MFAs in acting. And then almost everyone else came down to L.A. Nice. And I didn't want to be in a place of just being stuck back in Vacaville. Right. Or just being scared to make that jump. Right. But so I I started talking more seriously with Jazz. And coming down to L.A., we made a trip, actually, before we moved down mm-hmm. um, several months out of just, like, scoping this area. I think you're getting too far ahead uh, of but, yourself. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but I will say what really spurred the move, mm-hmm. I knew the, the rent and everything was locked down. We found a place. I'll talk about that later. But a friend of mine who had been a stage manager at the theater department, her mm-hmm. name is Jenna, she called me on Monday and said, hey, I saw on Facebook you're planning on moving to L.A. When are you coming down? 
at that point, I hadn't committed to actually leaving. Right. I knew I had a place down here. But I said, um, sometime soon. Why? What's up? Oh, do you want my job? Huh. And this will kind of go into first jobs and everything. Mm. But it was that call that made me say, oh, wow. I'm leaving this week. Yeah, I got to go now. I got to go now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah. All right. Uh, here we go. My hand's in the bucket. I'm looking for my next category to discuss on the Daniel's big move from Dallas. It's coming to theaters near you soon. <clears throat> Something about LA you didn't think you'd like, but do. I have four minutes on this one. Okay. That, that won't take four minutes. Um, <laughs> I mean... I love. I already loved so much about LA before I even moved here. Um, beaches, and I knew it would be a creative community, and and there's opportunities to do what I love and what I want to do, even though it's hard as heck to get those opportunities. Um, I would have to say, like the 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 healthy living food culture was something I didn't know if I, I would like. I didn't because I'm, I'm I'm from Dallas. We eat really bad and I barbecue, love, yeah, and barbecue and queso and and tons of other great fatty foods. And, uh, I, I hope there's a listener out there that's tracking every time you talk about queso. Please do. Um, but it's just one of the things where I was like, I didn't think I would ever be into that and be you know, hiking and, you know, uh, more, more health conscious. Running. Yeah, more health conscious. And, and I'd always wanted to be, but it was never just something that I just, I was just, just never did. And so the coming here, like going hiking and going to brunch and, and, and eating quinoa and kale and and having shit smoothies for breakfast and, and stuff like that has really become a part of my life thanks to my wife and her wanting to get healthy and me jumping on board. And, and so that was definitely something I didn't think I would like. And I really enjoy being healthy. I really enjoy going for hikes. And walk. I always enjoyed walking. That's something I always used to do when I would talk to people on the phone or um, writing, I would always walk around. So, you know, walking and running is never a bad thing for me. But You are your own instrument, right? Like, Absolutely. You know, whether you're a writer, dancer, anything like that, you got to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy, you know, like food or anything right. like that. But when you move to L.A., there is definitely that shift that you, sh- you, you, that you, you kind of notice. You still feel like, yeah, you could because the weather's great. Most of the time, it's very rare that the weather is not applicable for going outside. It's spring, and there's so much to days do. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff is walking around farmers markets or uh, you know, flea markets and and stuff like that. And and it's like, man, I kind of want to do that. I want to mm-hmm. do more of that. There's why not do more of that? And so that that was definitely something I didn't think I would like that I I do like. Nice. And traffic. I really like traffic. Oh, just kidding. I was gonna. <laughs> say. If you pick the same one. That I pick. I'm really trying to mix it up here. Okay, it won't be the same. Okay. One. Is this a whammy? <laughs> yes, it is. Our first whammy, whammy question. Uh, what's the most embarrassing thing your parents have caught you doing? <laughs> and there's no timeline. Well, but it, it, I'll, this, I'll make this, this quick. Just, yeah, it's just a quick so question. So my mom loves to tell this story every time she sees Karen. But uh, when I was young, as I was saying earlier... I would reenact any movie mm-hmm. that I loved. And one of my favorite movies of all time is Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, boy. I, I have a feeling I know where this is going. And I would, you know, follow Robin Williams's lead as the protagonist. And I would 
create these scenarios where I had to dress up as a woman. Like I was <laughs> putting on this salmon pink dress and plastic clicking dress up high heels and uh, like a nurse's cap on my head. And then I'd put on a wig and then glasses and I grabbed one of my mom's old handbags. And like, I was just like, acting out this movie and my mom definitely <laughs> took photos <laughs> oh, that's so i'm like five or six years old trying to be mrs doubtfire and uh and yeah what's your mom's name roz roz i know you're listening um if if you haven't paused or stopped up to this point um hollywood hustle podcast at gmail.com you can attach photos uh to those so just throw that out there um you can also send it to my address if it's a physical form uh just uh just you know send an, email. To blackmail send an email and we'll we'll talk all right thank you so much <laughs> that is definitely one of the most embarrassing things that's fantastic all right, so I guess I'll go again. <laughs> yeah. um, hopefully, I get a whammy, so I don't really just keep telling you. I, like all my stories gone, and you have like fourteen more. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Saving right. the best for last. Here we go. What's the most embarrassing thing your parents have caught you doing? Jeez, Daniel. <laughs> what do I got to copy you? <laughs> um, what's the most embarrassing thing my family has ever caught me doing? Um, I don't think I have. Swimming in queso. <laughs> Swimming. I, oh my god, that's that's a dream. That's not embarrassing at all. Um, there's not, I, I think the, uh, no, that's too cute. That's not embarrassing. Uh, I don't know if I have an embarrassing story, honestly. Wait, you've never like walked around like dressed as an old woman or anything like that? Like (laughs) I thought everybody did that. Um, I mean, I walked in hills and stuff before, but I've never, there's not really anything embarrassing. I honestly, I can't think of anything embarrassing. I, I did everything behind closed doors, and they never walked in. Um, I I once tried to make when I was really little, and the, I, mean, I don't know if this is embarrassing. I went, I tried to make pancakes for my mom when she was sick and did not do well, and she had to clean up all the flour and stuff and pan, like dishes and plates and bowls and stuff from all over the kitchen was. While she cried because she was so sick. And, what did you? But do? I wasn't. I was like three, so I wasn't embarrassed by it. So there's. I don't know. I don't think there's anything embarrassing. Oh, Daniel failed to make pancakes. I yeah, I did. I, I'm sorry. You I just had to add water to the powder. I man. know my mom's listening, and she's like, "Oh, I got your embarrassing story." Your mom's Linda. Yeah, Linda. Linda Hollywood Hustle <laughs> Podcast at gmail.com. If you have a story, an embarrassing story of Daniel, I'll read it to make up for this. Or you can send in a video of you explaining <laughs> the story. Like, oh, we'll play the audio. Yeah. Um, or you can tell me personally on the phone, and I'll on the next one I'll mention it. And I honestly, I just can't. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Oh, that that just means that there's a trove. I'm of... so sorry. I'm sh- oh, I'm sure there is. Okay, let's see. There's embarrassing stuff, but not that I've been caught doing. This <laughs> is another. Uh, <laughs> what's the most childish thing you still do? Mm-hmm. Most childish. Well, in acting, uh, what I've been hearing on and on and on in my acting class is we want you at your most five year old self, right? We want right. you at your most honest self, right? Uh, but no, you I think you can't say an no, exercise. No, like, not not in an exercise okay. sense. No, I'm not going that way, yes. but. I think honestly, it's when I'm by myself and I just talk in voices, mm. you know, of just looking at yourself in the mirror and just making the most bizarre sounds, whether it's like beatboxing and it's terrible or, it, uh, yeah, I, I would have to say it's, 
the most childish thing of when I'm by myself, sometimes not when I'm by myself, <laughs> of just like talking in weird voices or sounds or anything like that. All right. Nice. Yeah. All right. Very yeah. cool. All right. I'm going to try not to pick a whammy so we can continue the story somehow. All right. Here we go. I think this is a story. All right. What's some advice you would go back and give yourself before moving? I have three minutes on this one. Pack your toothbrush. Pack your toothbrush. Because um, you I w- forgot it. Honestly, I would say have not plans for like the move itself, like where you're going to live and jobs, but like have a plan for your career, like what you're going to do and how you're going to hit the ground running when you're coming. Because I came in, I, I knew what I wanted to do. But I didn't really... Screenwriting is a little different than acting. Well, I was going to say because how... So much of being in L.A. is also learning the rules of L.A. Like right. the way scripts are formatted yeah. specifically in Los and Angeles might be different. That's, and that's the thing. Like, I, I wish I would have known... I knew that for the most part. But like I wish I would have had like submitted to some festivals. I wish I would have had... wish I would have submitted to some contests and had more scripts in hand to like built up more local on. momentum not local Would momentum but just build up a more of a portfolio to stand on and then also have submitted some stuff to festivals and contests and maybe have some kind of like i got second place in the you know texas sci-fi screenwriting contest or whatever like stuff like that like having some kind of credits behind me to help get an agent and manager a little easier um and then i wish i would have done some more research on like screenwriting things to go to here Mm, um, like meetup groups and events and like things the WGA offers and things the DGA offers or the you know SAG offers. But if you're not in LA and you hear DGA, WGA, Directors Guild of America, Screen Actors Guild of America, um, West uh, Writers Guild of America, all of America. But some of those things you don't hear until you're in the thick. Absolutely. Of it. But I think hopefully again, and oh, here's advice: if that's not me. Research. Like, if you want to come here being a screenwriter, understand what that entails by writing movies for fun and profit. That'll tell you a lot of that. Um, but, like, that's what I would tell myself. Know the business a little better and know what you what, what you probably need, what equipment you need in your back pocket mm. to make it. I would say that would be mine. Fair. He's shuffling up the he, – oh, he's pulled one. If it's a whammy, just put it back. <laughs> I keep getting the- is, is it a whammy? What's the weirdest? Wait, wait, don't, don't, don't worry. Just put it back. Let's go. We needed you to do a story. Okay, you can pull that later. Keep right. no, keep it in the frying pan. I, I, yeah. I will. Yeah, let's let's get let's continue okay. your story somehow. Do you see yourself still in Los Angeles in five years? There you go. Absolutely. And well, as of this recording, I've been in LA for five years, and I can tell you what it doesn't feel like. It's been five years, mm-hmm. so it is very easy for me to think that another five could just sail on by. And I feel like only now am I really starting to find a groove. It's getting in into the process of training and submitting, but also just being more present in LA and just finding the beauty and the things to do that you can constantly discover new things in this town. Absolutely. And the, the benefits of being so close to so many things, um, but absolutely, I can see myself in this town. And I bet, you know, that'll mean I'll have been here for 10 years. And I bet there will still be parts of town <laughs> that I will not have ever been to. And you'll still hate traffic. <laughs> but I will still ho- hate traffic. Uh, hopefully, we'll have uh, voted on other legislation to help improve, um, you know, 
public works or something like that. That that that, that does not include giving putting um, taking away car lanes for bicycle lanes. <laughs> Just throwing out there, Venice, talking to you, talking to you guys. All right, here but we go. I, I oh, love sorry. I I love this town. I can definitely see myself here in another five years. Didn't think I'd say that mm. when I first moved down, but if you come here not thinking of okay, I need to get this level of success so I can leave, mm-hmm. but instead come here with an open mind and thinking of this as your home and that this is a place that can nurture you, challenge you, but nurture you, you could be here for quite a while. Absolutely. All right. I'm trying to make a lot of noise so people can hear me. <laughs> you got the handle. All right. What's the most childish thing you still do? Um, the most childish thing I still do um, is probably a lot of well, things. Well, you have a child now, so I can quantify it now. Yeah. Um, I'd say, I mean, I do a lot of things. Uh, singing stupid, silly songs um, that, have, that mean nothing. Well, I um, think we've already had quite a few interviews. You've heard, yeah, you've heard those you've, here. Yeah, uh, magic maker, <laughs> magic manager. Um, I, I talk to myself a little bit. Um, I don't know if that's a childish thing, um, but I also do random voices and stuff like that as well. Um, I'd say like that playing video games is probably playing video. If you're talking like in that sense, like playing you're really video into games, video games. I, I do enjoy a good story video game. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, that's probably the biggest childish thing, and just loving Superman, <laughs> just loving Superman. I get it. You you won in Act One. I get it. Now my wife may have some different choices for the childish things I still do. Oh oh, oh I'm sure. Angie, if you're listening, Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Wait, Wait, why did I do that? <laughs> you just voted that for yourself. All right, he's fried his question out of the frying pan. It looks like it may be a travel question. Uh, what's the weirdest thing you've ever done in front of the mirror? <laughs> what's the weirdest thing you've ever done in front of the mirror? Okay. Okay. I mean, I've already talked about voices like the, and looking. I like the, okay. I, I've okay. already talked about uh, making voices and stuff like that. This kind of goes into an embarrassing moment in my life. But I was dating a girl in high school. And she was able to convince me to dye my hair. And we've all been there. I didn't go with the frosted tips. I had the frosted tips. <laughs> okay, I feel less bad about about myself now. Um, That's no, the most embarrassing thing I ever did from the mirror was letting throw my frosted tips. And I, w- I was al- already very resistant, but we were able to find this like kind of like dark brown with a reddish tone. And Daniel yawns and shakes his head, but oh, I yeah. I let her convince me that it was a good idea and that she was the one to do it, and so. We do the thing. I just know where this is going to go. And, you know, we dye my hair. It, like, finally dries. And she then, like, lets me look in the mirror. And it was one of those moments where I think anyone who's ever been with someone, like, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend, and it's a moment of just, like, why did I let you do this to me? (laughs) What did you do to my hair? Well, it's just, like, I just look terrible. (laughs) And my parents then saw me later that day, <laughs> and it was one of those moments of I just remember my mom uh, just being like, "Oh, Michael, that's that, that looks okay," 
And it, but there was just so much of like, it did not look okay. But I just remember awesome. that moment of like looking in the mirror and being like, what is happening? That was a terrible That's idea. Fantastic. Why did I let that happen? That's fantastic. All right, here we go. <laughs> it's another whammy. I'm trying to spread, spread them out a little bit. Um, how did you prepare for the move? I have seven minutes on the clock. Um, uh, we, you know, my, again, girlfriend at the time, fiance at the time, I guess, actually, when we decided to move, um, we had talked a lot about what we were going to do to prepare. We wanted to make sure we had enough saved up to move, um, money wise. Uh, we wanted to make sure we kind of were at a good place, uh, kind of like almost like in a story, like a good stopping point for our story in Texas to move. Um, we waited till we got our degrees, um, and then to finish up, Angie was finishing her second degree. I was trying to finish my first because it took me a while. Gosh, Daniel, catch up. I know, right? Um, and this, we just had the perfect time to, to go. And, you know, we we did some research about where to live or where to stay. Uh, we looked up Airbnb places to stay for a while before we moved here. We got our resumes together. Um, we printed a lot of resumes. Uh, you know, we, we looked around. Because if you go to Kinko's down here, that will cost you a lot of money. Yes, yes, it can. Uh, so you lo- before you leave the job you're at, <laughs> make sure you print a ton of stuff on their printer. <laughs> um, but we did that. We, you know, we planned the move. We packed our stuff. We cleaned out our closet and cleaned out all our junk that we really didn't need anymore. And just really made some hard choices to get rid of some stuff, like our dog and and I'm just kidding. We brought, oh, our, gosh, dog. We brought like, our dog with us. Um, but you, you plan, how are you going to get all this stuff? Like we had couches and we lived in our own apartment. How We had a bed and couches and TVs. So you had a life fully built. Yeah, we had a life Dallas. fully built. So it was preparing all of that, like preparing, um, you know, we, we got some U-Haul boxes that you could fill up and then they would tr- bring here and store it in like their storage unit until you had a place. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that. How much did that cost? I don't remember. It was like, I think it ended up being like, um, it ended up kind of being free because they messed up a lot of stuff. But if you didn't, if we didn't have to, if we had to pay, it was about 1200 to $1,600, if I remember. Um, Cause you pay part of it when they take the boxes and then you pay the rest when they deliver mm-hmm. the boxes. Um, so that was part of the deal. We, we got some friends that came over, thank goodness, and helped us move all our stuff into these. And one of them was kind of tiny, so she was able to get into like the small crevices to put stuff when we almost didn't have room mm-hmm. to put in. We were like, how are we getting the rest? We threw some stuff away while we were packing stuff up because we realized it just doesn't fit. Yeah. We can't get it in. So, well, bye. <laughs> we don't need this bag of hangers. Yeah. Um, so that was part of it. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing to prepare when you move here. Um, from your home that you've known for a long time is prepare yourself. Um, it's hard. It's hard to leave. I, even now I'm kind of getting teary eyed. Like it's hard to leave the friends you've known for years. My best friend in the world, my brother Richard Parker. Um, you know he had a kid that I loved. That's my nephew Caden, and I was leaving him. Like I was leaving my brother, and and that was. One of the, he came to, we, we stayed in our apartment for a few more days before we moved. After we packed everything up, we stayed on an air mattress. And he came over and hung out with us like the day before I think we left. And that was hard when he left. It was really hard. And saying bye to your family, you know, mm-hmm. my mom and, and, and my uh, step-siblings step and, and stuff like that. It was my nieces and nephews that I don't see that much anymore. So you really need to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself to be away from those people that you've been 
a you know two miles away from for your years. security blanket yeah way. absolutely you're the people you can go to and physically be in front of and hug and and hold and, and hang out with you can't anymore you have to rely on phone calls and facetime thank god for facetime and, and skyping now um especially with a kid now it's it's awesome that we have that. So, you know, my mom can see him and he can see his grandmother mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and he can see my wife's parents, um, mom and, and, and stepdad. But, um, but yeah, you know, plan the money plan, make sure you save up some money, plan your timeline for what you're pursuing. Um, we gave myself a certain amount of time to pursue screenwriting um, we, which uh, we mentioned on a later podcast, we talked about that with a guest. Is I get you know I get not to I was going to stop after that time, but you kind of you have plans. You make these plans so you can set goals, and you know and uh, yeah, prepare yourself, prepare the money and and your relationship. If you're moving with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, prepare for that. Prepare to make that move with them. Make sure your relationship's strong enough to make that move because it's not easy. It's not easy. We didn't have a job. Neither of us had jobs when we moved here. Didn't have a place to stay. But, uh, but yeah, I'd say the most important is plan the money and prepare yourselves. So, yeah, that, that would be my, my, that's, that's, that's my advice on that. But, yeah, there you go. Let me go dry my eyes real quick. Get it some tissues. Something about LA you didn't think you'd like, but do. <laughs> yeah, it's your turn, sucker. <laughs> uh, I'm from a small town, and it's very easy in that area to just be the only person in the room or in in the area. It's you know, it's it's not super populated. And at first, when I came down here, I, I was kind of adverse to big crowds or just like. I would get stressed out and stuff, but then the more and more I went out to LA, whether it was at night and like checking out the LA nightlife or uh, going to the farmer's markets or just going to Disneyland because I love Disneyland. But honestly, it was, you know, you were talking, making a joke about the traffic, but kind of just like the big, large groups of people. Yeah, absolutely. And those are my favorite times of like whenever there's a big festival going on, uh, just to go there to not I was able to fight that inclination to stay withdrawn or stay back or just hang out with your select group of people right stay to yourself and to your island yeah exactly but but it's been so much there's so many people in Los Angeles it's unreal and it's so special Mm -hmm. in a way to be in an area with so many people because you have to think to yourself, like, when's the next time I'm going to be in the same space with the, these amazing strangers? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so... Whoop, that was an alarm for, <laughs> uh, for a, a previous question. Uh, <laughs> Turn your alarm off, Michael. Exactly. No, uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say at first I was really worried about the sheer density of people here right. um, and not sure how I would fit in. Mm-hmm. To, to all that, but instead just kind of throwing myself into it and listening to people and just going with it mm-hmm. has really, really helped me overcome so, that. So let me ask you real quick. Um, because of that, and now you've been here for five years, um, has that changed how you feel when you go home now? 
because you're maybe being used to being the bigger crowds and yeah. the bigger city. Has, does that do you perceive your city differently? Your vaca your vaca villain city because of that? Yeah, differently. I, I would definitely say so. There's, I I'd say when you're in LA or when you're ever you're in like a metropolitan city where the world is represented by the people, right? And you know the cultures that are present that you get to see every day, and then you go back to your small town and it becomes strange you feel like there's why where's everyone else in a way why is it so quiet right why are there all these generic stores Mm -hmm. why is there nothing to do sometimes (laughs) um but i mean in those instances right like you if you live in a small town you're always going out somewhere else Right. right like you're going to san francisco you're going to the redwoods you're going camping you're you're going out and seeking that life that you don't have in right. that hometown. So yeah, there's definitely like once, and when I moved to LA, I stayed in LA for yeah. a while. I didn't make some immediate trip back home, say for a couple instances to get more stuff mm-hmm. here. But I really let myself just stay down here for a while. We actually told ourselves when we moved here that we weren't going to go home for a year. Mm. We were going to give ourselves and and our family that space didn't happen we ended up going no, back you, you quite get, a bit uh that first year but then we t- we we did stick with the next year i don't think this i think the second we didn't go home at all yeah and it was so we we needed that we needed that separation and our family i think needed that separation yeah and just going back to like so the the just not being used to so being surrounded by so many people right when i go back home mm-hmm. i miss that yeah i'm missing all the characters and right and the noises and you miss the crowd yeah i miss the crowd all right cool nice Mm -hmm. i like that a lot better answer than mine (laughs) um let's see here all right did i move here alone with someone else well if you haven't been listening um i moved here with my fiance at the time uh girlfriend when we decided to move here for those still playing a drinking game (laughs) oh my goodness fiance oh god um, yeah, she. I would not have moved here without somebody. Um, I, that's just not who I am. I'm not that brave. People that do move here by yourself, Godspeed. Like God bless you, man. That I couldn't do it, and yeah. that's that's why I moved here is because of her and because I had her coming with me. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do it without her strength and her support at all. Um, so yeah, that, there you go. Very, very nice, man. Love you, Angie. <laughs> uh. What's the craziest thing you've ever done to attract a crush? Man, you are just picking these whammies out. I know out, they're man. just they're just leaping out at me. Uh, craziest thing I've ever done to attract a crush. It's just a little crush. Uh, I'd say the specifically the word craziest. What's the craziest thing I've mm. ever done? Um, so Anna Karen, uh, she really likes. Uh, the Joker. Mm-hmm. She really likes uh, Batman, so that's why I was also wanting to rep Team Batman right. and everything. But before we started going out, and when we were, I was definitely had a crush on her and everything. Uh, one of the thing, the big things to do in LA during Halloween is go to West Hollywood. They have a big, giant, just parade that goes through, and everyone goes, and they're super dressed up, right, and everything. And so. I wanted to dress up as the Joker. And 
Oh, I know. She likes the psychopath. I right? <laughs> uh, but... So, yeah, and I, I was working so hard because it was like, do I go with the Heath Ledger version or I, I don't have the money? I really wish you would have gone with the um, Cesar Romero version from, like, the Adam West one with the little mustache. <laughs> oh, with the painted over goatee. Yeah. <laughs> um, luckily, I didn't. But uh, I ended up coming up with my own adaptation of it because mm. I was too broke to really go out and get, like, this the, is the exact the stuff. Uh, stuff of the Joker. But it ended up working out for the better mm. but i remember because i think she was working at uh this candy store that we were both working at at the time and so i went to go pick her up and i walked in as the joker <laughs> in this candy store and uh scared some people a little <laughs> bit but uh that was definitely like one of the things to be like hey let's go let's go out to this you know halloween celebration right Oh, it's, a, it's Halloween. Didn't even know. Didn't even know. <laughs> this is just my normal, everyday attire. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's see. If so I, I, I tried to embody the crazy. The crazy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Can you guess what, what I just What's got? What's the craziest thing you've ever done to attract a crush? Yes. How crazy. Oh, what is the craziest thing I've ever done to attract a crush? Um, I have done a lot of things. I made a mixtape one time. And give it to her. Yep, mixtape, not a mix CD, mixtape. Um, I have, but that's uh, not crazy. Is that crazy? I don't think so. Like I screamed into it for twenty minutes. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, yes, then that is. Um, the craziest thing I ever did to attract a crush would be I um took took uh took them donuts uh one morning. Uh, randomly out of nowhere um, didn't know if they liked me or not but I just did it <laughs> and brought them donuts and basically uh, brought like a stack of movies and it was like hey do you just want to have a lazy day and eat donuts watch movies and we also joked about like playing um, uh, N64 I was like and we can play N64 and it was just a random it was crazy because it was so random like she didn't know it was gonna happen. She had no clue. I didn't know if she had anything to do that day. Yeah. But we ate donuts and played Super uh, uh, Nintendo sixty four and ate donuts and watched movies. But that was probably the craziest thing. I'm I'm not a crazy guy in that sense. Sadly. No queso or anything. No, like no that. queso was involved. <laughs> Sorry, queso. Um, let's see. Differences between L.A. and Vacaville. Mm. Um, I'm glad you got the right one. It's the differences between yeah. da- Dallas. And, uh, I don't know Dallas. I've been in the airport. Well, the difference is I don't. I'm not from there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's so much. I I kind of went into it in my previous answer of in terms of the sheer amount of culture that you get to experience in Los Angeles, the amount of people that you get to interact with on a daily basis, uh, getting to be amongst people that you might disagree with because in a in a small town like vacaville everyone can sometimes have the same mentality mm-hmm. and uh i i just say it's sometimes nice being around a much more diverse group of thought yeah uh where and you know people are willing to talk and yeah. listen to you out here um there's just so much to do out here i th- I, I know we've already talked a lot about that um, Vacaville is also close to an Air Force base, as I've discussed. So uh, there is a certain sense of like, and up there, you know, 
you're aware of the military presence. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes everyday civilians go about not knowing how our military operates or the, or get to see people on a daily basis who are in service for our country. Mm-hmm. But um, getting a chance to see those yeah. people and being aware of it, uh, I think, is something I do kind of miss down here a little bit. Um, and there... Oh, space. Yeah. So I, I do... I do still sometimes miss space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no space here. Uh, you know, and when I say space, I mean I mean distances in which you drive from like one city or one town mm. to another and there's physical yeah. like miles and different landscapes sometimes mm. between those places. Uh, LA is continuous. Yeah. Uh, continuous suburbs and city landscape and it's beautiful and like when it when the sun rises, the sun sets, and everything, it is, and the sun beams hit those buildings, it's absolutely gorgeous. It stretches for miles, I tell you. And miles and miles, but I still will sometimes miss just driving and just seeing the world yeah. a little bit. Nice. Yeah. Um, while Michael was answering his, you probably heard a little bit, I went ahead and picked mine just to save us some time. How dare you? Uh, Michael, can you read what question I randomly picked? differences between LA and Dallas. Oh, that's very similar to what you just yes. did. Oh, I can't I can't get away from it. I feel like Vacaville could be in Texas maybe. It, oh, it'd be in the West. It would definitely be like West Texas probably. Yeah. Um difference between Dallas, I mean they're both big cities. Um the biggest difference is actually again is is kind of in a weird way the same thing with Michael. It's not a small city but space because the suburbs of Dallas are all spread out. Like it takes from dating where I was originally from Mesquite to Plano is a good 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic to get from Mesquite to Garland is a good 20 to 30 minutes. So it is like kind of you that spread out in this and where LA, the time is because of traffic, not because of distance. Um, also Dallas, Dallas is in Texas. Texas is very much more conservative, um, than California. Um, so there's LA's random, like you, you <laughs> super will, random. You will see so many random things and hear so many random things and you know perf- random performances or random ch- conversations or random weirdos. <laughs> and I say that with much admiration and love. Um, we're Dallas is very straight laced. It's very business. It's it's you go to work and you do your job and then you go home. You maybe go out and have a drink or food, but you do that. Like it's just. That's what it's about. It's lawyers and and conglomerates and corporate chains uh, headquartered there. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the film creative industry there, so there's not a, a mass amount of creatives and, and 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 people really working towards that dream, except in small pockets. Yeah, I'd say the same thing is very uh, similar in Vacaville and that whole area. Like you do get theater, but it's a lot of community theater so it's yeah. a it's done by people who really love to do it right. but their funding isn't there yeah it's, it's to, to make so. it you know the top quality yeah. production there, there's pockets of it but it's just it's not a feeling that you get constantly yeah. and there's no like pop-up art galleries yeah. i think in dallas there there might be art galleries mm-hmm. and stuff but in vacaville not so much but even then the spread out and this gets annoying because it still takes forever to get to certain places we're here like if i want to go eat somewhere really interesting and cool it's not a 30 minute drive it's a 10 minute drive mm-hmm. but dallas to go eat somewhere that's interesting and different it's a 30 40 minute drive yeah so those are, those are the biggest differences yeah 
All right. My next one is, how did you prepare for the movie? Oh. Okay, so here we go. go. Here you go. Good story time. Yes. So, uh, as I was saying, I was going to UC Davis. I... A lot of my friends within the theater group that I was a part of, some of whom were from Southern California, a girl that I was actually dating at the time, she lived in LA. So uh, during that relationship, I had come down here previous times just to visit her. And those were also my pockets of like really checking out the city. And that's kind of when I just started to look at LA as a, as a possibility of because she was able to show me the sides of LA that I would not have been able to had I just come down here by myself or with someone that wasn't from LA. So she really helped introduce me softly uh, to Los Angeles. But then as I was going into my third year and the realization of, oh, you know, I'm ac- I could actually do this. I can actually graduate. Uh, you know, I by the time we hit the third quarter, I was ser- me and Jazz uh, were seriously talking about making it happen. Mm-hmm. We both knew that we couldn't do it right away, that we wanted to save up money. Uh, so while I was at UC Davis, I worked in event services. Uh, UC Davis has a bunch of you know conference rooms and facilities all over campus. And I worked for a department that would you know supply sound and sound equipment. Um, and simple services to help host those type of events. If you're in college, look for that type of job on your campus because you get fed by all the luncheons and everything that you do. You get time to study, and it's super flexible because you're a student. But I had worked there all my time at UC Davis, and so by the time I graduated, I was able to talk to my managers about shifting into a more career staff oh, nice. side. That's so cool. I went from being a, a student manager to an on-site event coordinator. And that and on that level, I was actually going out and meeting with clients and helping figure out what spaces they needed and working with bigger uh, venues as well. And that started paying me fairly well. And so I was able to save up money on that. But I also decided to move back home to Vacaville, which is actually fairly close to UC Davis. And I got a job working at my local movie theater. So during the day, I would work as this on-site event manager. And then at night, I would go and pull a full, you know, eight-hour shift working at the movie theater. And the money for that wasn't great, but it was that extra amount of income. And I was also able to see movies for free which was awesome like and because at that point all of my friends had moved back to southern california or wherever they were from mm-hmm. um and so i was really just by myself oh wow and so i decided to fill that time with work mm-hmm. and saving money and so working at uc davis uh during the day work at a movie theater at night and when i had a night free i would oftentimes go see a movie kind of go and inspire myself of like this is what I want to get into like start watching movies just see where the industry's heading at right now and that was a nice escape especially when I was worried about like I'm not going to make enough money I'm not going to make enough money what or why am I trying to do this specific thing 
and then I would go see a movie. Nice. And that's why. And then um, I was alluding to before, uh, you know, I was looking for jobs down here. Mm-hmm. I was doing the Craigslist submission, had no idea really what I was trying to get myself into, but I wasn't getting any hits. Uh, and then a friend from college, her name's Jenna, she was a stage manager at the theater department. She saw that I was making posts on Facebook that I was talking about moving mm-hmm. to L.A., uh, and she reached out to me. She's the one that called you. She's the one that called me yeah. and said, hey, I have a job. I'm looking to transfer out. Do you want my job? And that was a moment of like, oh, this is an actual opportunity. Because mm-hmm. at that point, uh, Jazz and I had come down to L.A. We had done some apartment scouting. Because he lived, uh, he lives in, at the time he was in Temecula, so definitely closer to L.A. than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on the outskirts of San Diego. And he had found this apartment, and, you know, we basically locked in on it. I sent him my share of the rent, but I still wasn't moving down. Something was holding me back, and it kind of like you of, like, thinking about family, thinking about mm-hmm. saying goodbye to everything. Mm-hmm. That was why I kept staying in Vacaville Mm -hmm. until Jenna called me and it was, you know, her aunt and uncle have this medical practice and they just need someone to scan medical records Mm. because the uh, Affordable Health Care Act required that all medical facilities had electronic medical records by such and such date. Right. And they'll pay you decent, you know, and can you start on Monday? I got this call on like a Wednesday. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I went into gear of like setting up goodbye parties. Like <laughs> I got to, I got to say goodbye to people. Right. And I remember it was a Saturday. My parents had just like thrown me like a good uh, Michael's going to LA party. Mm-hmm. And I woke up that morning and there was just something in me that said, you're moving today. Mm. Like I, my bags weren't packed or anything yet but like I woke up that morning and I remember being at the breakfast table and just breaking it to my mom like hey I think I'm gonna move down today and she wasn't ready for it oh, I'm sure you know um, yeah yeah it was, it was yeah it's tough it, it's tough and my, my dad was he understood and so like we went into gear we we packed up his truck because he was giving me his truck for the first six months until I was here but mm-hmm. like you know, my mom was just bawling the entire time. And it was just so, that was the moment of like, am I going to actually leave? Yeah. Because I was going through so much that, pain. That's the test, yeah. That's the test. And I left and I moved down here, bawling, or moved down to LA, bawling my eyes out. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling my friend Lily at the time of like, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Am, should I be doing this? And she said, Absolutely. Yeah, that's the same experience with my my mom. <laughs> yeah. She kept it together pretty well for it, but I know. Oh, like, my, my mom didn't. My, mo- my mom and I were both a mess. But um, <laughs> no, it was it was that moment of just like, this is the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're we're, we're coming down here. And I think Kel, actually, our sound editor, he, I think, was also, I think he was coming down to Southern California around the same time mm-hmm. for a different opportunity. And we're going to try and meet up together and everything but nope i was just in that truck by myself mm-hmm. for six seven hours and then pulled into la and I, and i'd never seen la like that yeah. way before it was like pitch darkness and 
coming into North Hollywood and just mm-hmm. like trying to figure out how you're going to get to where you're going. <laughs> trying to figure it out. Park. <laughs> yeah. And literally with my life packed in the, you know, mm-hmm. back of the truck. Yeah. We were crammed in a, in uh, my wife's uh, Versa and like literally had to make, like keep a small little section for our dog to lay mm-hmm. the whole time. Like he couldn't go anywhere. Like he was literally like against the door, like packed, packed in there. Um, but what's funny, you know, you talk about goodbye parties yeah. and stuff. Um, something I thought was really funny and interesting with with me is we did a going away baseball game and we oh, went and saw the okay. athletics. Nice. Um, your your team. Yep. Uh, against the Rangers. Uh, they <laughs> whooped us really badly. Um, to the point where like we were starting just to make fun of people's names on the field because it was the game just wasn't worth paying attention to anymore. Um, but at one point, I think Angie asked me to go get a drink or something for her. They were, she was thirsty or something. And so I got up and I was walking out of, you know, up the, the, the stairs and yeah. into the little concessions area. And I passed this guy and I'd stopped and I turned around and I go, I looked and it was my theater teacher. Oh, and he was actually at the same game that night celebrating, I think his son's birthday. Um, but I was like, this is really interesting. I was like, I'm actually moving to LA in a few days and it was just it was it was like it meant to be that he was there because that's that he was the first like true theater yeah connection i had wow and so i was like that was the start like he was the start Mm -hmm. to me other than like vacation bible school and stuff like that he was the true like start of my education and my journey wow with theater and so it was so like serendipitous that he was there also sure and i was sure i was like i'm moving to la and it's that's because of you like you were a big part of that and thank you and, mm-hmm. and it was it was like i it was like the world the universe giving me a chance to thank him in person sure because i would because he lived in austin at the time he was mm-hmm. up visiting his family like his dad and his mom mm-hmm. and so they could celebrate his son's birthday so like there was the chances of him being up here from austin which is good, yeah, four to five miles away or four to five hours away would have been. I mean, is possible? Yeah, that that game, that time, mm-hmm. it, it, it was incredible. But yeah, I mean, preparing, uh, uh, preparing financially, mm-hmm. like because I was working Monday through Friday with my event services job, mm-hmm. working at nights, weekends at the movie theater, mm-hmm. keeping myself inspired by watching movies and stuff, and. You know, continually, like, Jazz and I were just talking, 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 like, mm-hmm. making sure, checking in with each other, like, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And then I knew he was already down here, and that's when I got the <laughs> phone call. And it was basically like, what are you waiting for? Yeah, just do it. And just do it. Just do it, stupid. Yep. All right. <clears throat> Finding a place to live and first jobs. Um, like I said before, we moved here without a place to live, without a job. We airbnb at someone's pool house for a week. Um, that's what we had reserved because we were like, we're going to find a place to live in a week. It's, uh, we're going to find a job and find a place. It's, I'm going to get a restaurant job at least within a week. No, just a heads up. That's not how it works here. Um, if you're from another city where you can get a restaurant job really easily, guess what? 80,000 other people are trying to get a restaurant job because they all want to be actors and they all want that space, that time to be able to be actors. So they actually have casting calls here at restaurants. So you'll go and be one of at least 60 people trying to get a waiter job at a restaurant. Just a heads up. So we stayed at this pool house. Uh, we did a lot of Craigslist looking uh, for jobs and for places to live. Drove all over the place looking at apartments. I mean, I'm talking all, went to Anaheim at one point to look at an apartment, um, which Anaheim is at least about an hour and a half away yeah. from Los Angeles. Um, 
I don't know why. I think somebody was gonna like it was gonna be, it was cheap rent because we were subleasing and it was gonna be a really cheap rent and that was kind of oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of away from the city, which my wife kind of liked, and closer to Disneyland. Closer, no, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but it didn't work out. But anyway, so that's that's kind of where we went. We did a lot of Craigslist. Uh, I think we got a Westside Rentals login from somebody. Um, and then we used, we used several other apps. I can't remember all of them. The hardest part for us was that we had a dog. We had a 50-pound Black Lab Border Collie. And as much of a dog-friendly place this is, most places do not want your dog unless it's under 25, mm-hmm. 15 pounds. They, they want smaller dogs. Which I don't understand because our dog is the quietest, most boring, lazy dog ever. But all the small dogs that live near me are the loudest, most annoying <laughs> things to be by. So how that works out, I never know. But, um, so yeah, that's kind of what we looked. We looked, finally we found a place that the guy just wanted to rent it. He was ready to get it off the market. Somebody was leaving. He just wanted to fill it. And so I think it was, he, I think his, his only thing he asked us was, we signed a two-year lease. was like the big, because mm-hmm. he had like two other families that were trying to get in. And that, that was the go-to for us. And so we signed it, moved in like a week, I think three days later, because he wanted to paint, repaint the place. Um, I mean, we, we moved in. That's where the whole mess with the U-Haul, and that's a whole other story for another time. Mm-hmm. Um, job-wise, my wife found a job first, a marketing job, which was great in Venice, so it kind of helped us get to know a little more of the city. Um, and I found a waitering job for a restaurant opening in Santa Monica, which was awesome because it was everybody was new to the restaurant. Um, nobody had worked there before except people that were training us. Um, so we all learned together and grew together. It was like a band of waiters. <laughs> um, so that, that was my first job was that. And then Halloween Horror Nights was probably my first acting gig yeah. here at Los Angeles. And have you lived in any other nope. place than your Lived in the same apartment since we moved here four years ago. Well done. Yeah. Well done. It had, oh, and it has, it, if you want a washer and dryer and air conditioning, get ready to pay a lot of money. Yep. Uh, what's some advice you would go back and give yourself before moving? Um. Hmm. This is a tough one. It is a tough one. Um. Because as as I was saying, like when I moved, I was in a relationship mm-hmm. at the time, and uh, I think I because obviously she lived in L.A. and I wanted to be in L.A. Mm-hmm. But I think I needed to figure out the reason why I was coming Mm. to LA and to have just been honest, I guess with myself Mm. about that. And because by the time we came down here, we had, you know, you're apart from each other for so long and college ends and, you know, life starts happening. By the time I came down here, we were both in different places and, you know, I was trying to learn about LA and she was starting this whole new path. So, um, for one, I would just have said, uh, be ready to not know what's about to happen. Nice. Be ready for the unknown. Be ready for the unknown. Be ready to be scared. Be ready to feel alone. Mm. Be ready to connect to your parents on a whole new level. Because for me, I was like 22 years old really going out here and you know i i remember like calling my dad a lot of just like asking for life advice like i'm in la i don't know what i'm doing or whatever and just him being like it's okay it's fine you you're you're where you're supposed to be yeah um 
but to be ready for the unknown. But I think I would have also, I would have pushed myself to have done more film work, mm-hmm. I guess. Like I, I, I had done some student films at UC Davis, but it wasn't as much of a reel. I still had a lot of theater yeah. recordings on my reel at the time and actors out there. Um, when you come to LA, when casting directors want to see your reel, very, they're very specific unless it's for a theater production, mm-hmm. right? Like if it's for, uh, you know, Shakespeare uh, yeah. Center of LA or something like that, it's good to have a theater stage uh, mm-hmm. reel, but really try to just have film. Yeah. And not just any film, your best work. Yeah. You don't want to have a scene where you say one line, it's the other person talking the entire time. Really try and get your best moments, even if it's just. 10, 15 seconds. And make up scenes. Make And make up scenes. Go write scenes and film them and pretend they're part of a movie. Yeah. I never know. And and so I think I wish I could have done that, uh, building a website, mm-hmm. just learning some more uh, online marketing. So I think kind of like mine, getting your, your Swiss Army pack ready. Yeah, because I did marketing at with my student group, right. student, Studio 301. I was uh, their publicity coordinator. But my my marketing campaign was just on a campus, right? Right, like we could take out stakes with posters <laughs> stapled on there, and like we'd nail right. them all in the quad, and like plaster flyers everywhere, right. and people would come to see the shows. Can't do that here in LA, no. And uh, there's just so many people, and so I think just mainly because there's no yards. Yeah. So <laughs> educating myself on how to be present online mm-hmm. using social media as uh, using it as a tool for your career right. not only continuing relationships and stuff like that but i wasn't on twitter at the time branding yourself F- finding a way to brand yourself mm-hmm. uh, i did take a couple classes before moving down with someone that had been down here so she was able to get some of my monologues mm-hmm. uh, up to par nice so i had some uh, monologues that I, I was able to use right but headshots, they, they, they weren't L.A. standard. But I think there's certain things like that where you will not be able to get those things until you're in L.A. You, you learn as you go also. There's a lot of stuff you definitely learn as you come here and go through it. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think um, definitely educating myself on some of the business side, yeah. as you say. But in terms of life, I, so much of what we do, we try to always be in control, but to have, be able to say like, hey, you're about to go into the unknown and that's okay. Yeah. Don't be afraid to fail. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Do you see yourself in LA in five years? Absolutely. I don't see myself, I'm not moving back unless some crazy job offer comes up from somewhere else that is not a red state <laughs> then yeah uh, I, I would move but for the most part I don't see myself going anywhere no in five years so nice. easy peasy doesn't take five minutes to answer that question <laughs> uh, what keeps you here how many minutes L- you got on that one uh, three minutes three minutes I mean love keeps me here love for what I do uh, love for acting would you say love keeps you together yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, 
you know, love for my friends. I mean, love for the community that I've built and met around here. Love for my girlfriend. Uh, God, I can't imagine. There's been so many moments of doubt that I've had about leaving this town or about, you know, hey, maybe I should just put acting on hold Mm -hmm. for a little bit and just be. And for her to be like, no, you're okay. You got this. Like, she has been such an anchor for me in just terms of like believing in myself and being confident in my objective to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, speaking of friends, obviously you and mm-hmm. like the creative relationships that I've been able to build that, you know, why would I want to leave? Unless it were for like, you know, if I got cast in Ashland Shakespeare Festival or, you know, or an acting opportunity that might take me out of this town, then yeah, I, I would definitely consider that if it were for a contract and what the project would be. But my life has been, you know, for the past five years has been in LA. And, you know, Daniel, something you were talking about before of not being able to see your family, as often that connected a lot with me. I, that's always the thing that gets harder to leave every time I visit family Mm. is, you know, I see my niece when I moved down here, she was five, five years old and now she's 10. And so there's like five years that I've missed seeing her go from like toddler to little kid to now like she's almost a preteen. You know, this is interesting because I think there's something, you know, you still your home is closer you it, physically yeah, physically it's geographically. easier for you to get up geographically it's easier for you to get there mm-hmm. it takes less time but you still don't as much and i'm not yeah. putting that down i'm not no putting it down definitely it, but it's, i think it's something to know like even if you live somewhere close and you're moving to la you don't get out the the hustle keeps you here because yeah. especially on acting side so much about why you can want to stay is you never know what opportunity mm-hmm. might come its way. Um, you know, financially it costs a good, you know, it this to stay in this town, it costs money. And mm-hmm. for that, you got to make money. And yeah. sometimes you got to keep to, to work, but also you just, you put your love into what you do and you invest your time and you'll find yourself becoming more busy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're, we're going to get into about an hour and a half yeah. for this episode. So I've laid out the rest of the questions I have. Uh, Michael's going to do the same. And I'm just going to go through them real quick and just answer the rest of them. Um, if there's some uh, any of these you want us to elaborate more on that we may not get a chance to, please email us, hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll definitely bring that up on the next uh, Team Hustle episode. But we know you have important things to do, and we don't want to keep you too long. So <clears throat> here we go, marathon answers. <clears throat> What's the weirdest thing you've ever done in front of a mirror? Um, I do a lot of weird things in front of mirrors. I make silly faces. I uh, make weird noises and funny poses and pretend I do the, you know, you talking to me uh, kind of stuff uh, in front of mirrors. It's just fun for me and it makes me laugh and I love to do it. So don't don't judge me. Um, For me, uh, biggest dating disappointment Mm -hmm. uh, that I've experienced so far. you know, I am a big believer in meeting someone 
connection, mm-hmm. like physical connection. Like I get to know you first as a person and then you go on and so forth. And I tried doing the online <laughs> app uh, OK Cupid thing once mm-hmm. and it was just the most awkward uh, thing. It was very, she, she was a very nice person, but mm-hmm. it was the most awkward. But especially, you know, it's funny how accepted that is nowadays. Cause I remember doing it when it wasn't a norm to meet people online and you'd always like, what are we going to tell them? How do we tell people how we met? Like, yeah, you have to like come up with a ruse. Well, and especially in LA, it makes so much sense because there's so many people you, you want to find a way to weed, weed through it all. Mm-hmm. But I'm just a big believer of just being present and not looking for it. And somehow it'll find you. There you go. Cool. Uh, what keeps you here? Um, I love it. I love the, I love the city. I love the, 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 I love the fast pace and as crazy it is. I love the creative feeling. I love my friends and my friend family here, Michael and, and Mikey and Eric and Stephanie and, and Austin and everybody I've met here and, and, and that I knew before that I've become just, we, we, we cling to each other here, Kurt and everybody. I love everyone here. And, and I love the beach as I've said multiple times and food and stuff like that. That's here. I, I could never leave. I just, I just love it. Mm. Uh, and love. Any doubts or thoughts of going home? Uh, no. I mean, right. I, I miss home. I miss my family. Mm-hmm. And I will do, I'll try and take any opportunity I can to go home to see them. Do I see myself going back to Vacaville one day? No. Yeah. Living in Vacaville? No. Uh, I'll never say never to like San Francisco or the Bay Area because as Kim Tillman talked about, it's a beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. area. But LA is my home. And it will be for the foreseeable future. Nice. Uh, what's the biggest dating disappointment you've experienced so far? Well, I don't date much anymore. Uh, but back Good. in the day, <laughs> back in the day when I did, um, I would say, and she may be listening. And if you are, this is not putting you down in any way. Uh, we we still so, somewhat stay in contact as friends. Um, but we went on a date, and it was a great date. I, I had a blast and I was like, Oh my gosh, like this could work out and we hopefully go on a second date. And we went for a walk at the park at the end of the date. And at the very end, when we were at her car, she told me she had a boyfriend, um, and that she was thinking about breaking up with him, but she wanted to see if there was anything better in the world. She needed to know that there were better guys out there. And she was like, Oh, there's not. <laughs> and so she <laughs> stayed with him for 12 more years. No, um, no, but you know, she broke up with him that night actually. And, but then we just, it is, you know, she just broke up with her, uh, an on and off long-term boyfriend. So it didn't work out and it happens. And I'm married with a wonderful son and it all worked out. Nice. Um, finding a place to live and first job. So, uh, before I moved down here, Jazz and I were very much looking on the Craigslist and on any local housing websites, but also we did manage to get one trip down here, and I would definitely advise that. Like, if you can, before moving here, come out here and scout if the area. If you have the possibility to do it, please do it. Yeah, um, we definitely drove around Silver Lake area. There was a lot of places that we wanted to be, but then we needed to figure out financially what we could afford, and um, we ended up living in North Hollywood, uh, pretty North Hollywood. Mm. Um, but we were able to live in a one bedroom for six months. And sometimes it's just knowing that like you can just live here for a short amount of time. This doesn't need to be where you live the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Just knowing like this will be phase one and have that kind of goal plan of what else to do. Um, and then for jobs, like I said, uh, I, friend from college reached out to me with that opportunity it was a contracted position so once i had scanned that doctor's records i was up i was out Mm -hmm. 
you know, I went in. I was, you know, I was very direct with them. I'm an actor. I need to be able to go to auditions. And because I was just scanning records at the time, they're like, yeah, sure, why not go? And But then I was out of a job, so I worked for a while as a takeout host for a, a chain food restaurant. And then I reached out to another friend of mine who had offered me a position at his local candy store, Soda Pop and Candy Store Rocket Fizz in Sherman Oaks, and said, hey, if ever you need a job, let me know. And I did, and that's the day I walked in, and there was this girl who, uh, you know, I was completely like not. I was floored by Reese Witherspoon. Yes, <laughs> no, uh, uh, Karen. Yes. And so uh, that was how I met her. And then the doctor's office actually ended up calling me back, and basically they kept finding excuses to bring me back to somehow hire me back. Of like. Even though you're done working for this person, this position kind of popped up over here. And so I just kind of improvised my way and just became really good at adapting and right. being whatever it was that they needed me to be at that time. Good advice there. Yes. And now he's full-time there. And now I'm full-time, yeah. Um, More initial, on that later. <laughs> uh, initial impressions of L.A. Um, big city, lots of traffic. Uh, it, was, it was a whole new world. It was shiny and it was new for me mm-hmm. um and so it was just like oh my god i'm here i'm in los angeles like that imaginary city in your head and then you're like oh i'm on a bus headed to santa monica for work for an hour and a half oh <laughs> yeah. uh, los angeles um but no it was it was awesome like that my first impression of la was like it's the it's mecca i'm here yeah and i'm i'm gonna hit the ground running and it was just so much higher like i am so psyched to be here yeah like that was it was it was beautiful to me when i moved here i just remember thinking of how vast Mm -hmm. it was just how ongoing it was um alone or with someone i drove down alone but i lived with uh you know one of my closest friends from college so with someone and you know because we we knew each other we knew we could cling on to each other especially when we were freaked out or would lock ourselves out of the apartment or, you know, crazy first things that happened in LA happened to you. And you need that person who just gets you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And he, and he loved watching television. And so that's how I kind of got into <laughs> watching now modern television. <laughs> what is TV? What is TV? Um, any doubts or thoughts about going home? Of course. Um, you're going to have doubts. I mean, you're going to, it's all the time. You're going to have moments, especially for the first year or so. Uh, there's many times where, like, did we make the right choice? Like, this is hard. Like, did we make the right choice? Should we be back home? What did you know, Was this the best idea? Especially when we had a kid. Like, it, it made it even harder. Um, you know, and so there was definitely those moments, a lot of moments. But you realize, I love it here, though. And I love the people that are here. And this is what I want to be and where I want to go. And the most basic question, are you happy? Yeah. In that moment... Are you happy? Well, when you have the doubts, you're not. Well, of course. <laughs> but like, if, wait, 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 what options you have, right? Yeah. Like, what are the bad things that are going on? Oh, yeah, definitely do a pro and cons list. Yeah. Like, yo, okay, well, if I move back, this and this and this. If I don't, this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. It always, it always, it always passes. Yeah. That's the best thing. The doubt and the fear passes and you'll have your moment in the sun again. Yeah. Ooh. Another throwback to Superman. Thank you. Yeah. Um, how do you survive is my final question. And It's mine too. Oh my gosh. Um, how do I survive? 
focus less sometimes on the destination. There, as an actor, there's so many times of like, oh, well, you know, I want to be working on that Star Wars movie, or <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, or just there's you always see the big lights, mm-hmm. right? But really, if you can just focus on what makes you happy, you know, if that means launching a podcast with your best friend. Um, Who, me? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. But, you know, if, if, make, if what makes you happy is listening to other artists telling their stories, if uh, doing this show at a small black box theater, uh, you know, they're doing a show that you've always wanted to do or they're doing this show that is super interesting and challenging and you've never heard of something like that before. If you, uh, you know, meet someone who just you have immediate connection with and you can't help but like have butterflies in your stomach every time you're around them. If you just focus on the things that matter, the things that make you happy, the things, you know, that you get enjoyment from. Because if you focus on all the things that you're not getting, if you focus on the auditions you're not landing, the uh, talent agents that you're not getting the movies that you're not doing that that sounds like a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. but if you start shifting into well what do i enjoy what makes me happy what makes me fulfilled you'll start to see the glass getting fuller yeah you'll you'll and those are the things that you will anchor yourself to like Mm -hmm. i can weather the storm as long as i got this you know i i'm if i'm doubtful about my acting Go into a class. Go into a workshop. Put yourself in a place of learning. Never be afraid to learn. Uh, never be afraid to make friends. Never be afraid to go out and just experience it and find out what you like. Yeah. Throwback to Kim Tillman. <laughs> Shout out, Kim. Yep. Um, how do I survive? Um, it's all about the people. Um, I survive because of... Sounds like I'm finishing a, TV, a weird dramatic TV show. Um, I survive because of my wife Angie, and I survive because of Michael, and I survive because of Eric and Mikey and Austin and and all the people I've met since then. Um, I, I would not be as comfortable and as confident here if it wasn't for those people um, and people getting me out of the house, teaching me about this place, and um, I sur- and I survive because I want to survive. I want to make it here. Yeah. I don't want to give up. I don't want to be not putting anyone down. If you've come here and you've had to go home, it happens. And you tried it, and God bless you, man. But I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to go home. I don't want someone to go, ah, well, you tried. Mm-hmm. I want to be like, hey, you stuck it through. And that's that's my biggest thing. I mean, I'm going to keep it quick. That's that's really it. That's yeah. well, that's how I survive. Oh, and, and, and I found places that have Texas queso. <laughs> and, and I'll just throw out there real quick. I'm just very interested to see what's going to happen on the other side. Like just, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, mm-hmm. where will I be then? That's yeah. what I'm really yeah. interested with. Well, I mean, we had the question earlier. Um, do you see yourself still living here in five years? And it's not an easy question to answer. You don't know. But um, I hope so. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining Daniel and I. Man, that was for a super these, long discussion. These team hustle episodes get so deep. No, I know, but I, that's what I'm excited about, though, is that you know you guys now I feel like have a really good understanding of where Daniel and I 
are coming from. And, you know, as we're going through these interviews and stuff, you get a really good idea of where we're going. Yeah. And, and, you know, real quick, uh, you know, coming from our first team hustle for the first week and here. Um, it's been a month. I, I can't even believe it. Um, I just I want to I just want to thank and I know Michael's in the same boat. Like I want to thank Kurt Mega uh, for coming on and and talking about saying yes to opportunities. Um, you know and and you know to Jessica Hanna for just talking about just enjoy, you know living theater and living in the moment and enjoying the moment and being in the moment. Like mm-hmm. just those those topics. That's that's what I did. I wanted to do this for. Yeah, is those things. Uh, Joel Ward um, for really just like. Put like really introducing us to the idea of just always be learning that you'll never have it perfect, but no matter Sorry what, about that. <laughs> no matter what, just keep learning, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just practice. Mm-hmm. And for with Kim uh, Tillman, uh, amazing singer and artist and songwriter, using art as a way to comfort others. Um, and to use art to help find identity. Yeah. Use art to find what it is that you like yeah. and to allow other people's art to affect you yeah. and to push you and inspire you. And I think one of the, I think something that is so easy to forget, it's so simple but so easy to forget that Ashley Mary uh, Nunez brought up is just pursue what you love. Like pursue yeah. what you are, makes you happy. Because you can very well just live that life that like sure it pays you sure yeah. it sustains you yeah. but does it keep you happy yeah does it does it fill you does does it fulfill you yeah and yeah. just her conversation uh last week of really just pursuing it yeah no matter what it, like working hard every day and she's she's gaining the success success for yeah. those taking that risk and some of those guests have some things coming up right yeah definitely so um joel ward if you're in northern california and you're looking for an excuse to check out lake tahoe joel is going to be performing at the loft theater uh from july 6th that's tonight folks through july 18th so there's two shows a night and if you loved his interview um that's actually not tonight that'll be no, that's oh, it is tonight. You're right. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, right. yeah. this comes out July yeah, 6th. Right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So get like jump into your car right now. Drive up to Lake Tahoe <laughs> now. Do it now. Do it now. We'll wait. Um, there's two shows a night that you can check out. Um, you know, if you love hearing about Joel and the behind the scenes of the magic, now you get to see his onstage performance. So you don't want to miss this act again. That's at the Loft Theater, um, July 6th through the 18th, and we'll let you know when he gets some LA performances Absolutely. going on. And then Kim Tillman, she'll be back in her hometown of San Diego on July 20th at the Marrow. Uh, tickets can be purchased on TicketWeb.com, and we'll provide the link for that in the show notes for this episode. Rock out with Kim and be her Danny on July 20th. <laughs> nice. Uh, if you want to rock out with us, uh, you can always find us on Twitter at LA Hustlecast uh, or on Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Hollywood Hustle Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at DTuttle, D-T-U-T-T-E-L. Same on Instagram. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Michael Lutheran. Everyone, thank you so much thank for you so joining much. us. Team Hustle number two. If you're on your way to going to L.A., let us know. Tweet yeah. at us. Let us know where you're at what's, in the journey. What's your fears? What's, what are your hopes, your dreams? What, what are you going to miss the most about your home? you know, where you're coming from. Yeah. But no, no matter what, know that you're on the right path. Absolutely. You're taking that choice. You're, you're, you're doing what so many people don't, mm-hmm. which is you're going for you're it. Ma- you're making the move. Yeah. And when you get here, just make sure that you always 
Keep up the hustle. This episode of Hollywood Hustle Podcast was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Kel Torados is our sound engineer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information about the show, visit our website, hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.